always a great privilege to spend time thinking about and talking about what Christ has done and what Christmas is all about. And I want to take just a few minutes as we close today just to walk through the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 2, in verse number 1, the Bible says, It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping their watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this, this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all those things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. As we think about the Christmas story, I think that we understand that it is possibly the most repeated story in all of history. Every year the story is told by different people and enacted in different ways all around the world. And I thought a little bit this morning as I was preparing for today, I thought about our time zones and how, you know, it's kind of like here's one section of, of the country and we're singing and praising the Lord and, and worshiping and then that time zone phases out and the next time zone is doing it and the next time we go all the way around the world. And I thought about what it must, must be like for God to listen in on all of that and just hear from one section to the next section to the next section to the next section and people all around the world telling the story, the greatest story that has ever been told about Christmas and about the Lord Jesus Christ, about the place where he was born and all that came as a result of his coming into this world and understanding the most important thing about the message. In verse number 11, he said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
But you know, the story of Christmas actually begins all the way back in the book of Genesis. The Bible tells us in Genesis about the Savior. It says, for unto you, in Luke, unto you is born this day a Savior. In Genesis, he tells us, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so, when we think about when did the story of Christmas begin, it didn't begin on Christmas Day. It didn't begin on the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It began actually before time itself, didn't it? And there in the garden, he made the promise to Adam and Eve that he would send the seed that would provide salvation for them. The Bible says in Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, when we were without strength, God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus coming to this world and being born of a ba- as a baby of a virgin and then going to the cross was the fulfillment of the promise that he had made all the way back in the book of Genesis to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And there he promised them that he would send that seed. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, the Bible tells us that our eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So before the world ever began, God promised that he would send the Messiah. And then the second question I thought about is, where was Jesus born? And of course, we know the answer to that. He was born in Bethlehem. We're privileged to look back on on history. They had to look forward to the promise of the Lord. But 1,400 years before Jesus was ever born, God said that a star would be seen at his birth. In Numbers 24, 17, God said, There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And the wise men came to worship the Lord. And those wise men said in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And so 1,400 years before he was born, he promised that a star would come, and they would follow that star, and they would find the Lord Jesus Christ. God also told us that kings would come and worship him and they would bring gifts to give to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 72, verse 10, it says, The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and of Seba shall offer gifts. And the Bible tells us that these wise men saw Jesus in Matthew 2 and verse 11 when they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then 700 years before Jesus was born, God promised that he would be born in a place called Bethlehem. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says this, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting. So it's important for us to know that God knew every detail about where Jesus would be born and about when the Lord Jesus would be born. He knew all those details and he gave them to us many years before. So then we come to the question, how was Jesus born? 800 years before he was born, Isaiah foretold of his birth. You know, I thought about that, 800 years. Can you imagine if 800 years ago somebody said, on September the 23rd, 1950, Tim Schelling would be born. You know, you'd think that'd be amazing. And if it happened on that same day, it would be amazing. But we have 800 years before our Lord was born. It was prophesied and it was filled, fulfilled exactly as he said. 
The Bible says in Isaiah 7, 14, The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And God chose the vessel that he would use to bring the Lord Jesus into this world. He chose Mary. In Luke 1, in verse 26 and 27, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. 1,000 years before Jesus was born, God promised that the woman whom he would use to bring Christ into this world would be a descendant of the family of David. And that promise came true on Christmas Day. Romans 1 and verse 3 says, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, was born. It's more important for us to understand how Jesus would be born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin because in doing so, he did not inherit a sin nature as you and I have. He was born the sinless one. In fact, John 3.16 tells us that he is the only begotten son of God. God didn't have many sons. He had one son. He sent his only begotten son. And Jesus Christ was God the son who came to this earth to provide salvation for us. And that brings us to the fourth question. Why was Jesus born? Why was he born? That's the most important message of Christmas. We must not leave out that most important part of the Christmas story. It must include the fact of why he came. And the reason why we want to include that is because that part of the story includes you and it includes me. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Father into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So it's important for us to know where he was born. It's important for us to know when he was born. It's important for us to know how he was born. It's important for us to know why he was born. And you know, it's interesting, the world, much of the world today knows when he was born, and they know how he was born, and they know where he was born. But much of the world is still waiting to hear why he was born. And telling the world why Jesus Christ was born is the duty of every one of us who are Christians, every one of us who know Christ as our Savior, and we know the reason why. It's our duty and our responsibility to tell the rest of the world why he was born. The Bible says in John 3, 16, you know the verse, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants us to know, first of all, that we are loved. For God so loved the world. Every one of us here this morning, God loves you. And God loves me. God so loved the world. He loved every person that ever came into the world. And God loves us. We're a part of this world, and God loves you, and God loves me. Ephesians 3.19 tells us that he gave his son to, so that we would know the love of Christ. God wants us to know that he loves us and to experience that love. Some years ago, I was at a pastor's conference in, in the Upper Peninsula of, of Michigan. And Dr. Charles Stanley was one of the speakers there. 
And he shared with us a story of what happened in his life. He said he had been preaching for a number of years, but it's like something was missing in his life. He didn't know what it was. And he called together a group of pastors, and, and, and there were six or seven of them, and he, they all flew together to a certain place, and he said, I want you to just let me talk and tell you what's going on. And then when I get done, he said, I'll shut up, and you say anything you want to. And so he talked for a while, and he said, God's blessed my ministry, and many people have been saved, but he said, there's something missing. I don't know what it is. And after he talked for a while, finally he stopped and one of the men said to him, said, Dr. Stanley, I want you just to close your eyes, and bow your head, and I want you to imagine God putting his arms around you and saying, Charles, I love you. And he said, I want you to picture in your mind your father putting his arms around you and saying, Charles, I love you. And he began to weep and cry. And he said, I never heard my dad in my lifetime ever say, Charles, I love you. And he said, when I pictured in my mind my dad putting his arms around me and saying, Charles, I love you, it was just like God put his arms around me and said, Charles, I love you. And he said, for the first time, I felt the love of God in my life. And I want to say to you this morning, God loves you. I don't care who you are, God loves you. And he sent his son for you. So he wants us to know that we are loved. Secondly, he wants us to know that we are of worth. We are of worth. The Lord wants us to know that. We are so dear to God that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son for you. He gave his son for me. You can oftentimes tell the value of something by what you will pay for it. And when you think of what God paid for us, he gave his only begotten son. I have one son and two daughters, so I only have one son, an only begotten son. I don't know that I could give my only begotten son. Especially, I know some of you. I know I wouldn't want him to give. I'm just kidding. I don't know that I could give my only son, but God gave his only begotten son. That's how much he loved us. That's how much value he placed on us that he would give his only begotten son. And the interesting thing is the Bible teaches us that we are all sinners. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that sin must be paid for. It says, For the wages of sin is death. The Bible teaches us that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3. God demonstrated his love for us. He demonstrated our worth to him when he sent his son to die in my place and in your place. And the good news is that Jesus Christ paid the debt of our sin, of my sin, of your sin, of the sins of the whole world when he died on the cross at Calvary. You may say, why can God forgive my sins? He can forgive our sins because Jesus Christ died for us. He says in Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for me. He died for you. You know, one of the amazing things, we watch young people grow up and they grow up in church and some go on and live for God and serve God. Some get away from God and don't live for God and serve God. 
And I think the difference, it all comes back to this one thing. Do we understand how much God loves us and that He died for us? And that's what Christmas is all about, and that's what life is all about. It's knowing that Jesus loved me and died for me. And when I understand that He gave His life and died on that old rugged cross and suffered and bled as, as no man has ever suffered and paid the sin debt so that we could have eternal life, when we understand all that He did for us, then we begin to understand what life is all about. And we want to spend the rest of our life living for Him and serving Him and pleasing Him because of all He's done for us. The third thing He wants us to know is that we can have hope. He said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever believeth in Him Life is fragile, isn't it? And people all around us are perishing. Just in this past week, I know of three people that I know, two very well, one not quite so well, that have passed away. But all three of them know, knew the Lord, and they're in heaven with the Lord. But at the same time, all around us, there are people who are dying who don't know the Lord, who are perishing who will suffer an eternity in the fires of hell forever and forever and ever because they didn't know the real reason why Jesus came. They never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior. John 10.10 says that He came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came and died for you and for me so that we might have hope, that we can have life here and enjoy life here, but have the abundant life in eternity with the Lord forever and ever. God wants us to know what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.1. He said that we're to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is our hope. And he died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And John 14.19 says, Because I live, ye shall live also. Jesus said that. He died. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. And he said, Because I live, you can live too. Our hope of eternal life is because... Jesus Christ lives. And we serve, as we sing the song oftentimes at, or at Easter time, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living. He's in our hearts and in our lives if we know Him. And that brings me to the fourth thing He wants us to know, and that is He wants us to know that we can have purpose. We can have purpose in our life. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. One of these days, unless the Lord comes back first, I'll close my eyes in death. But I won't die. Amen? I won't die. I have everlasting life. He said... Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When I die here on earth, I'm just going to graduate to heaven and begin the next phase of my life. In fact, my life now, since the day I got born, I've been in a process of dying. 
But one of these days when I close my eyes in death here, I open them in heaven, then I'll really be alive. I'll be more alive than I've ever been before. And I'll be with him for all of eternity. There's purpose. This is the promise that he promised to us even eternal life in John 2, 25. And we can have that life. I'm thankful that we don't have to fear death. If I go to bed tonight and close my eyes, and I don't open them up in the morning here, I'm going to open them up there in heaven with the Lord. I'm just as sure of that as if I'm standing right here talking to you this morning because I have God's word on it. God, who cannot lie, gave me his word, and I can take God at his word and know that the moment I close my eyes in death, I open them with the Lord for all of eternity. You say, well, yeah, you're a preacher. You ought to go to heaven. Well, I know some preachers that aren't going to heaven, that aren't living for God and don't know the Lord. It's not that I'm a preacher. It's not that I go to church all the time. It's I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. Jesus died for me. He died for you. And when we grasp the great price that he paid for us and his great love for us, and we invite him into our heart and life, he takes away our sins, gives us eternal life. When we get a grasp of what that's all about, we want to live our life for him, to please him, and to help other people get to go to heaven too. I had the privilege of being saved when I was just a young boy. I was not quite seven years old when I got saved in a revival meeting in a little town of Foster Falls, Virginia. My dad was a Methodist preacher. He pastored eight churches at one time. He was a circuit preacher. He would go from church to church. He was preaching a revival meeting, and I got saved that night in a revival meeting as a, as a six-year-old boy, not quite seven years old. God called me to preach, and I was called to pastor the first church that I pastored when I was 19 years of age. And so from 19 till 73, that's about 54 years, I think, something like that, I've been preaching. But that's not why I'm going to heaven. That's why I'm preaching, because I am going to heaven. And I gave my life to the Lord as a little boy, and I dedicated my life to the Lord as a teenager, and I've had the privilege of serving God for many years because he is a great and wonderful God and has done great and wonderful things for me. Just the fact, the greatest fact of all, that he gave his son on the cross at Calvary so that I could have eternal life. Why wouldn't I want to serve him? Why wouldn't I want to live for him? Why wouldn't I want to make my life count for him? And why wouldn't I want other people to go with me? I have seen times when people passed away that didn't know the Lord. As a preacher, I've had the privilege sometimes, responsibility at other times to be there when people left this life and went into eternity. And I've seen people close their eyes in death and the peace and the joy that God has given to them because they opened their eyes in the presence of the Lord. Some years ago, there was a lady in a revival meeting the preacher came and witnessed to her husband. He didn't get saved. They had talked to him for many years. Different ones had come and witnessed. He didn't get saved. That week, that man passed away. The preacher heard the sirens, and he went to the house. And the man had already been pronounced dead, and he had been taken by the coroner. 
And the lady sat on the front steps, weeping and crying, and she said, my husband's in hell. My husband's in hell. You see, it makes all the difference in the world when you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And when you can say, my husband's in the presence of the Lord, my dad's in the presence of the Lord, my mom, they close their eyes in death, they open them in the presence of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. When your life's over, when you breathe your last breath, when you close your eyes for the last time, will you be in heaven? Will you be in hell for eternity? The difference is, what have you done with God's Son? God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son for you and for me. That whosoever, that includes me and you, every one of us, believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you have that everlasting life today? Let's bow our heads together and pray. Lord, would you help us in these last few moments of our service today to examine our own hearts and lives and ask ourselves the question, have I trusted Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross at Calvary as full payment for my sins? Lord, it's not whether we've been baptized or been a preacher or joined the church or done the best we could, what have we done with Jesus? You gave your only begotten son. You said he came into his own and his own received him not. Lord, there's some folks here today that may not have received you yet. Would you help them to say yes to you? Invite you into their heart and life. Why did you come as a babe in a manger? It was so that you could go to a cross and pay our sin debt so we could have eternal life. I pray if there's one person here today that does not know Jesus Christ, that they would open their heart and life to you and be saved today. Make sure when they close their eyes in death, they'll open them in the presence of the Lord. Our heads bowed and eyes closed if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and you've never been born again into his family, you say, preacher, if I closed my eyes in death, I'd be in hell. If I were you, I'd do something today. I wouldn't take a chance on another day. If you're here and you say, I'm not sure, I'd settle it today. Make sure. If you understand that you are a sinner, you've broken God's laws, you deserve to spend eternity in hell, you understand Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, came to this earth and lived a sinless life and died on an old rugged cross and shed his blood as full payment for your sin. He says to you, whosoever believeth in him. You said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You understand that today. You can call on his name right now, right here where you are, and invite him into your heart and life. If you've never done that before and you say, Preacher, I want to do that today. I want you just to pray this prayer with me. It's not a magical prayer. I prayed it many years ago when I invited Jesus into my life. I've already settled it. 
But if you mean it from the bottom of your heart, He'll save you right now like He did me. Just pray this prayer in your heart to the Lord. Dear God, I do know I'm a sinner. I've broken your laws and commandments. I've disobeyed many times. I truly am sorry. I believe that Jesus Christ died on that old rugged cross and shed His blood to pay for my sin. And I ask you right now to forgive me of all my sin. To come into my heart and life to be my Lord and Savior. And with your help, Today on, I'm going to live for you. Thank you for saving me. With our heads bowed and eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer with me, I'd like to include you in my closing prayer. Say, preacher, I've never done that before. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I ask Jesus to come into my heart and save me today. I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm not ashamed of it. I'd like to let you know. Would you just lift up your hand where you are? Preacher, I prayed that prayer with me, with you. I asked the Lord to save me today. A minute from the bottom of my heart. If you prayed that, just lift up your hand and let me know. Anyone? Just slip it up right where you are. God bless you, yes. God bless you, yes. Anyone else? Just slip it up right where you are. Anyone else? Our heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you one more question. Many of you have already trusted the Lord as Savior. It is our responsibility, it's our privilege and responsibility to tell people why Jesus came. I wonder how many of you would say, Preacher, I need God's help to do a better job of telling people why Jesus came. Would you pray for me this morning? Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you? God bless you. Yes, yes. God bless you. Just slip it up. Many. Thank you. God bless you. Lord, you know our hearts today. You said there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repented. Lord, there's a couple of people that raised their hand today that they prayed that prayer, and there's rejoicing in heaven. Lord, many raised their hands to say, we want to do a better job, and I raised my hand. I want to do a better job to tell people why. So they don't have to spend eternity in hell, so they can be saved before it's too late. Thank you, Lord, for the great price you paid for us in sending your only begotten Son. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us the privilege of living for you and telling others. Help us to do our best, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.